Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. And uh, could, we, could we thank the band one more time? That was so good to honor them. Beautiful. I'm going to ask Gio and Claire just to stay with me for a minute. They're going to help me with this next part. It's Vision Builders Week. Come on. Vision Builders. Uh, we do this every year. Uh, Vision Builders is our building a mission fund. Um, we raise money to reinvest in, in buildings, um, redeveloping this property, all being one next year, and then looking to buy a building for our Almira campus. And uh, we also sow into mission. So we're going to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, we have a team called our Vision Builders Ambassadors. And uh, on that is uh, Vilko van Vijk, who's here, or he's in the creche. Um, here, right? That's right. Married to Shirley, who was singing just here. And we have Gio here and Claire. And Paul and Nanon Snyder and Almira form our Vision Builders Ambassadors. They are our champions of vision builders. And so uh, I want you to catch the spirit of this because um, sometimes people say uh, they don't like hearing us talk about money. Now, I, I, I was about to say I understand that. I don't understand that but uh, because if you don't get your wisdom from church about money, uh, you're going to get it from other sources that may not be as helpful. Some of them will be. I advocate you talking to financial advisors and experts. Um, but the gossip in cafes and things about how to handle your money may not be good for you. But we will teach you biblical principles that will bless you in the area of money. So we want to help you. So even though we're going through a fundraising week right now, please catch the spirit and motivation of what we're trying to do. Uh, that this is not all about money. This is all about giving all your money for people. Okay? So uh, I know that some people feel a little uncomfortable when I, but it's my job to help you feel uncomfortable during this next seven days. I don't take amusement in it. I'm not sadistic. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't try and specialize in the art of troubling people and causing them not to sleep. It's not what I try and do. I, I am here to challenge and make us feel uncomfortable uh, for a little bit so that we would rise higher and go further and achieve more than we ever thought we could dream of doing. And now I know, deep inside of you, you want to achieve more than you ever dreamt you could achieve. You want to go further than you ever thought you could. And so that's what we're helping you to do. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? Leading worship in two services, back to back. You do, it's what, Claire? Tell it's us. fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. It's energizing. It is. It is. When you do what you love. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're doing this thing. We're connecting with all of you in between services. And then we grab five minutes upstairs to drink shakes and eat sandwiches and, and pack ourselves with as much energy to come and do this all over again. Um, now, tell us, uh, in, in this last year, Gio, how much money have these people raised? Um, we've raised, uh, and I think it's until like October, we're going to raise uh, 120,000. Wow! Yeah. 120,000 yeah. euros. Yeah. Not dollars, euros. Sorry? 
not dollars or lira or no, euros. a real currency. Yeah. Euros, <laughs> not pounds. Euros. A real currency. <laughs> 120,000 euros. Amazing. You guys are incredible. How much of that have we actually given away? We've already given away 40,000. So uh, one of the things is the live stream. Yeah. And uh, what else? We've invested in live stream. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, in a moment, Claire will tell us what we've spent some of that money on. Yeah. Um, so Claire, tell, tell us what we've been giving to or investing in over the last year. Well, the church has been investing in uh, several projects. Um, one of them is the church planting. So new locations have been added. C3 Edinburgh, C3 Nairobi, and in Warsaw, yes, Poland. There's some explorations to plant the church over there. Yeah. Um, another project, I love that one, is the Mercy Project where um, Compassion comes by, C3 Cares, and the um, love. love Week. So love yeah, the So Love uh, Family Day. Yeah. And uh, the building, of course. So uh, for the building, some um, payments have been made to speed up the, uh, the payments. Yep. So we all helped. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, wow. but the most beautiful thing is the... Can I just tell them that, that um, we invested around 1.8 million in this building and we only owe, we owe less than a million on it now. Mm. Isn't that cool? That's Guys cool. are amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. Sorry, you were going to say. No, but it doesn't stop there. It's also for the redevelopment of our building. So we all know that it's going to change here around in the neighborhood and we as C3, we're going to be part of it. So That's so good. Yeah, really good. And so this year, we're aiming to raise 150,000. You can do it. Everyone say, I can do it. I can do 150,000. And um, so we're going to add uh, another project into that. Gio, maybe you could tell us about that one. Yeah, that's a pro project in uh, uh, Uganda. Uh -huh. um, if it's on the slide, yeah. Uh, Alice Achan, she was here a couple months ago, and she shared what she's doing in Uganda. She's, uh, uh, she's helping uh, women from uh, the civil war and try to, uh, um, yeah, to heal them, get recovered, and uh, yeah. It's beautiful. She's doing an incredible thing. We try and invest in people we have a relationship with, so our investment is long-term, and it's... It's not just money. We can invest ourselves in the relationship with that person and encourage them. And so uh, when she visited us for Beautiful Minds, a Beautiful Minds gathering, uh, we just felt like we wanted to give some support on an ongoing basis. We'll also be uh, investing some of that 150000 into the building development that's happening. So what is the best thing they can do as a result of this? What, what do you reckon we should be inviting them to? Well, I've heard something about Friday. Friday, yeah. Fish and Builders. Fish and Builders Night, night. Out. Yeah. Fish and Builders Night Out. Oh, yeah. That sounds real cool. It's real Anything cool. that has the word night out and it has to be <laughs> amazing. Red carpet treatment. Oh, yeah. So what are they going to expect on Friday night? Of course, an update about uh, how is this going with the uh, building. Yep. And of course, this is what Our architect spoke. will be yeah. here on Friday night oh. again. Yeah. Good. Oh, nice. Which will help. Carry on, sorry. 
I get interrupted yeah. in the Dutch service all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so get used to it. Somebody standing here, I don't know, twittering away in some language of some sort. <laughs> what else? We party? Yeah, it's of course fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. That's, um, fun, fundraising, of course. So, fundraising? Yeah, fun yeah. in fundraising. Fun in fun. <laughs> See, yeah. See what you did there. Oh, oh. Like, I was a little slow just from that. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and even if it's going to be your first time or your tenth time, everyone is welcome. Yeah. So. so even if you're just inquiring and not sure you want to get involved yet, come anyway, because then you can make an educated choice. Um, we're not going to force anyone. Uh, but... Uh, you're better at making an educated choice rather than an uneducated one. Brilliant. Come on, let's give these two a hand. Fantastic. Vision builders. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, I want to share with you the heart of our vision because that is, that is the heartbeat of everything we're raising money for is our dream to see hope in every street. So I've called this message Hope in Every Street. Uh, because I want to talk to you about what is resonating uh, inside of us. And you will, if you've been around a while, have heard us use that phrase maybe several times. Uh, and so I want to bring it alive for you, unpack it for you, uh, and help you know why it is, it's so important that we think about partnering and stepping out with our giving. I want to stretch you and help you in that. So uh, you may be asking, why do we do Vision Builders every single year? Simple, we've got that much vision, we need to. We ain't going to stop enlarging the place of our tent. We're not going to stop uh, dreaming the dreams of where hope can go next. We're not going to stop until every person that we can possibly reach has come to Christ. That's at the heartbeat of it. We want to see the hope of Christ living and alive in a believer, preferably a, a C3 person, in every street of this region. It's a huge dream, but I know with God's help, we can achieve the dream. We can bring it to pass. And so that's why we want to bring it alive. That's what Vision Builders is all about. So turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. And uh, we're going to read a few verses in chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, it goes like this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Everyone say hope. To which... He has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Oh my goodness. That is a huge statement right there, that he would fill everything in every way. That verse sums up everything we're dreaming about, hope in every street. What he's trying to say is, he wants to see himself filling your house, filling your workplace, filling your neighbor's apartment. He wants to see every street filled with his presence because it's the healing power that people are looking for. It's the restoration you and I are looking for. If you could sum up our dream in any word, it would be that word restoration. 
recovery. God wants to bring hope everywhere. And he's talking about uh, a Christ who is supreme above all others, seated in heavenly places, that everything else is surrendered under his feet, so he has all authority, and that he would fill by his presence everything. Right there is probably the biggest uh, thought we could ever try and strap our heads around or get our hearts around. That would be worth meditating on the rest, on for the rest of your life. Hope in every street. That is about you and I coming into this place and being renewed on a constant basis. You're going to read some stories in here, great stories in this brochure. If you haven't got a brochure, you'll be handed one on the way out. Please read this. It'll tell you more about the projects, but also people who are affected by it. So Nuyet, for instance, came into our church a little while ago uh, in a season of, of being depressed. And, she, uh, and by coming into church, hope filled her heart, and she's found just new life, just freedom in, in that respect. That's why we do this. That's what we're about, that hope would impact the lives of individuals. You'll read about Arusha in Almira, same thing. You'll read about other stories in there because we're about trying to bring hope and transformation into people's lives. Here's how the prophet Isaiah puts it. He puts it like this. He says, the mountain of the Lord's house will be raised above all other mountains and people will flow, flock to the house because they love what they're going to hear there. That's my paraphrase of that verse. What is it trying to say? It's trying to say this. It's saying we're surrounded with great organizations, schools, universities, banks, and uh, experts in, in all sorts of fields of life, and they do an incredible thing to enrich our society, enrich our nation, and our cities. But there's only one organization that can do this one thing, and that's bring hope, and that is the church. The church is the chief organization above all others. It sits above and beyond all those other organizations. It brings to the heart of our city something that's restorative that no other organization can bring. It's something that there are some things that counseling can't deal with, that hospitals can't deal with, but only Christ can deal with in terms of mending the human heart, delivering us from forces that would hold us back from fulfilling what God has purpose for us. You're sitting in an atmosphere here today that is the presence and the hope of our nation. The presence of God, that is, and the hope of our nation. We're a restorative church. We're bringing restoration to our communities. This place is the chief organization for our entire city. What a thought right there that you could be part of that. So I want to share with you a story. Who likes stories? I want to share you, uh, with you a story from the book of Nehemiah that is probably the greatest example in the Bible of, uh, of restoration of people. Uh, it, Nehemiah lived um, at a time when Israel was oppressed and the nation was taken over. It had been uh, ruined, not just physically. The walls of Jerusalem had been uh, uh, taken down. The city had been destroyed, but the people had lost hope. Uh, the people had lost any will to go on. They had lost their faith in God. They had lost it all. And then some of them had been taken to, into captivity. And so you have the story of Nehemiah himself, who had been taken into captivity to a city called Susa, which is in modern-day Iran. And uh, he had 
found himself in a place where he was working in the palace. He's working for King Artaxerxes. If you need a name for your child and struggling for what to call him, then Artaxerxes might be a favored choice. Uh, he was the grandson of King Darius. And if you Bible students will have heard of King Darius, if you have two sons, there's a name for your second son, Artaxerxes and Darius. Um, and so Nehemiah is working for the king. And in those days, these kings were called the great kings. They were called the king of kings or the pharaohs of Egypt. These were some of the historic great kings of old. Uh, and even, even though they end up, or because they end up oppressing Israel so much and giving them trouble for hundreds of years, maybe inspired by the pharaoh of Egypt we know about and read about, oppressing the nation which Moses delivered them from, uh, there went on hundreds of years of oppression. And maybe it's for that reason that the Jews used to call God the king of the king of kings. Because just as I came up here with that fighting spirit, they had that fighting spirit. You may call yourself the king of kings. You may oppress us. You may seem to ruin our nation. But we have one who's bigger than all of this. And his name is the king of the king of kings. And even today, we still call Jesus the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Just some context for you as to why we call him that. That he is the great. He is the king. There is no other. Hence why his house is the chief of all mountains. It's the chief of all organizations. And if we are to love the God of the house, we should also be loving the house of God. You cannot separate the two concepts. You cannot say you love God, but don't love what he loves. If you love me, you'll love my kids. If you don't, it's an insult to me. I don't mean that rudely, but if, if you say you love me and you don't love what I love, then it's an insult. It's not an honor. You can't say you love the God of the house and you don't love the house of God. You can't say, I love God, but I hate church. You might be able to say, I love God, but I had a really bad experience in the church I was in. I get that. Every single one of us has had a really bad experience in the church they're in. <laughs> If you've got time, I can tell you about all of mine. <laughs> no, we don't have time. <laughs> That'll be for another message. All the bad experiences I ever had in my church. <laughs> That'll be a long series. <laughs> but I've never stopped loving the house of God. Just because of a little bit of trouble from time to time or a little bit of an offense that I've had to work through and get over. See, we're big people, aren't we? You're a big person. You can get over nearly anything with great people around you and with the hope of Christ inside of you. And so Nehemiah, he's in Susa serving this king. And someone travels all the way from Jerusalem, 1,500 kilometers, to see Nehemiah to bring the bad news that Jerusalem is in a mess, the walls are broken down, and people have left God. Nehemiah's heart is broken. He goes into prayer and fasting and weeping for days because of the news he heard. You will notice that compassion is the trigger for any move of God. If you read enough about Jesus in the Gospels, so often you'll read these words. He was moved by compassion, therefore he healed the sick. He was moved by compassion, so he fed the crowds. Compassion should be the motivator 
inside of us for desiring to see God move in people's lives? When was the last time you felt compassion for the people you work with or the, the, the people living in the street you're living in? When was the last time that you allowed yourself to feel what they might be feeling and therefore the hope that they might be needing? Nehemiah was moved by compassion. He wept and he prayed and, and so much so was his distress. Even when he went into the court of the king, he was looking distressed. And that was illegal. You were not allowed to enter the court of the king looking sad. Your role was to lift him up and, and help his day feel amazing. Uh, and yet he risked it. Uh, in fact, the king says, what's the problem, Nehemiah? And he goes, well, and he begins to share his story. He risks his life by sharing a story with the king. Thank God the king had mercy and said, oh my goodness, how can I help? I'll tell you what, Nehemiah, you must go and help your people and I will help you get there. Isn't it amazing the things God uses when your heart is stirred with compassion? We go, oh, I'm stirred, but I have no idea how it could happen. I'm stirred, but if only I had more money or if, if only I was, I was more whole or if only I was more confident or if only I was this, I'm telling you, God will use anything to get his purposes to happen through you. God will use you and I. I don't know how many times I have felt intimidated by the call of God before my life. I can't tell you how many times I've felt inadequate with what's in my hands for what I know God is asking me to do. But sometimes that's the best position to be in. One of the greatest positions you can be in is to know you're called, to know your God, and yet be on your knees knowing you don't have what it takes. Because then God can take over and work through you. God worked through King Artaxerxes. Who would ever work through someone called Artaxerxes? <laughs> he uses all sorts of ways and means, huh? God will make it happen th through us. There's a context and there's a call. The context is a community seeking hope. The call is to you and I to bring that hope to our community. And it isn't always convenient, and it isn't always comfortable. I mean, goodness me, Nehemiah. Why choose Nehemiah? He's 1,500 kilometers away. Is there no one in Israel just down the road? Is there no one in Jerusalem? Why pick Nehemiah so far away? Why pull someone out of that situation? Inconvenient, uncomfortable. Let me just tell you right now, the call of God can be inconvenient and uncomfortable. So please, if this week I uh, lead you in ways that are uncomfortable, forgive me. It's just that that is the nature of the call of God. It's not me as such leading you into an uncomfortable request to, to give. It's, it's just part of the call. When there's a context to reach a community, it needs a people who are willing to rise up and meet the need which is sometimes uncomfortable. And so Nehemiah, he, he, he goes off to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now get this though. He isn't primarily going to rebuild the city, the physical city. He is motivated by a love for his people, a love for the city, and a love for God. It's, it's not that he's in love with a building project. Okay, so when we talk about vision builders, we talk about a means to an end because there's a motivation and there's a means. There's a context and a call. There's a motivation and a means. The means was build the walls. 
If we build the walls, maybe we'll restore the hope of the city so that we can get on with the more serious thing to serve God. Uh, same with us. We, we're not building buildings because we just love buildings. Some of you do. Some of you are great architects, training to be great architects, and that's awesome. But we're not doing it because we love architecture alone, although we do. We're doing it because we're building walls of hope. We're building a place of freedom. We're building a place of hope. We're building a place where marriages can be strengthened, where business people can be given wisdom, where hearts that are broken can be mended, where, com- where a community, can th- a believing community, community can thrive so we bring hope into the communities in which we live. That's why we do what we do. What's our motivation? We love people, we love our city, and we love God. The means is, let's do something. So yesterday, a group of people, they go out to Old West and, and, uh, and they make sandwiches and food and, and we feed people who, who are really needy of that in the community and we, we spend a little bit of time sharing hope with them and, and someone gets saved. How cool is that? Because we've done something practical that was an action of hope so that the real thing that is now let's see if we can reach your heart can take place. We invest in property. Yes, it's good stewardship. It's, it's wise to do it rather than paying too much money on rent, which is sort of money thrown away. If we can buy, it's an investment. But we do it because we want to build places that become an altar of lives that get changed. And so every single week here, people are coming to Christ. They're finding hope. In the, in, in the first service, people giving their lives to Christ, finding hope. It, it's restorative. Some of you today may find a new faith in Christ because you're sitting in the presence of God. You're sitting in a place where sacrifice has built an altar. Some things just take sacrifice, but there's a sweet smell to sacrifice. The community smells the fragrance of sacrifice. There's no great barbecue without a sacrifice. That cow smells so good, smells better when it's on the barbecue than when it was living in the field. How many of you are city people? Because you'll be agreeing with me right now. The smell of a live cow in a real field ain't as good as a dead cow on a barbecue. How many of you are country people? All right, some of you are disagreeing with me. You like the smell of living cows and all that they do and accomplish in life. Eat grass, poop grass, eat grass, poop grass, eat grass, poop grass. I, for one, don't like that smell, but I love the smell of freshly barbecued. Okay, let's take it away from something that's so personal. Let's just call it steak rather than cow. Now, how many of you love the smell of... Right. Now we're talking. Now you call it steak, we love it. (laughs) there's a smell there's a smell to sacrifice there's a there's a smell that the community smells we have had people say to us I can't believe what you're doing you mean that's for free you mean you're doing that I can't believe you're doing that for nothing 
We sit with the Chemainta and we describe our plans and, and, and they're used to commercial organizations sitting with them and selling them plans and working out what profit's involved. And here's us going, oh, we just do all this from the raising of voluntary money and we're doing it because we want to give away our services. Yeah, we, we're doing it so that you can save on the tax money you would have to spend on looking after people. We'll do it all for free. We'll, we'll do it with you and for you. Because sacrifice smells so good. People go, my, that's wonderful. That's amazing. Your friends, your neighbors, they may go, you're crazy giving all your money to the church. By the way, I'm not asking you to give all your money to the church. That would be crazy. Just most of it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So if I ever say all your money, you know I'm just, I'm just making you feel uncomfortable. I'm not <laughs> literal, not literal. You need some money to live on. But you need to create some margin in your life. Creating margin is where sacrifice appears. We're not asking you to give what you don't have. We're asking you to work hard on creating, increasing your margin so you've got more to give. How do you increase margin? There's only two ways you can do it. Decrease expenses, increase income. How do you decrease expenses? You go, I will spend less on my holiday this year. I will have one car rather than two. You, you know, all the other ways you can eat out less and, and so on. How do I increase income? Use your imagination. That's the fun part. This has been I for many years now have found other ways of making money so that we can increase our margin to be able to give more, to be able to be more generous on as many occasions as possible. Vision Builder has been running now for 15 years. Pastor Peter and Monique here have been giving it to Vision Builders for 15 years. That's sacrifice. Pastor Louis here got saved in our church. And in the process of, of finding Christ and growing in Christ and loving the house of God, he begins to commit, well, maybe for the last 10 years or more, 11, 12 years. How many of you have been giving to Vision Builders for 10 or more years? Look at that. Sacrifice. Some of you, that's been, there's been years where that's been tough to achieve. There's been two or three years out of our 15 where we, we've barely been able to achieve what we pledged to achieve. We've always done it, but it's been tough. It's been, been really difficult to do it. Sacrifice. Sacrifice smells so good. And so he begins to, Nehemiah begins to gather the people of Jerusalem. Family next to family, next to family, all the way around the old ruined walls of Jerusalem. You had Joe the priest standing next to Jane the teacher, standing next to Bob the builder, all around the walls of Jerusalem. Some of them had never built before. Some of them had. Some were experienced. Some were not. Some were fast. Some were slow. It doesn't matter where you are on your journey of generosity, whether, you've, whether you're an experienced person in stretching and being generous, or whether you're new at this, whether you're still trying to get your head around tithing and bringing the first 10% in, into the house, or, or whether you're now beyond that, wherever you're at, there's a role for you to play by saying, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to stand next to the person sitting next to me. I'm going to stand sitting. I'm going to stand next to the person next to me and I'm going to join forces with them. I may not be an expert, but I'm going to take the first step of getting involved in an adventure 
with Him. And I'm telling you, when you become generous, when you learn to give over and above and beyond what you've ever done before, I'm telling you, you will enter an adventure, a, a roller coaster ride with God Himself. It'll feel like, my goodness, tough at times, but many moments where God will bless you and fill you with grace and enable you to see through what you've done, but also you'll find He will give back to you multiple times over. He will help you find uh, uh, um, means in which to achieve it. Yes, there will be battles. There'll be years where you go, my gosh, this is hard work. But I'll tell you what, the big picture is this, the generous will prosper. There may be some battles, but overall you're going to find yourself doing well when you set yourself alongside somebody else. I'm not asking us to all give the same amount. What you give and what I give may be different. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. It's about everyone involved. So there's a context and a call, a motivation and a means, but there's also a regrouping and a revival. He gathers the whole city to regroup, stand side by side and work together so that there would be a revival. They built that thing in 52 days. That was incredibly fast. What you can achieve when you do it together is unbelievable. We may, may not be looking at building something in 52 days, but we may be looking at raising 152,000 euros. Or it may be we're looking at, uh, at, at seeing 152 uh, people find new hope and, and find Christ between now and Christmas. It may be, maybe it's something else, but we can do it when we stand next to each other, believing that God has got hope for us to deliver to people. So Nehemiah gets up in front of the city and he says, now we built the walls. I'm calling you all back to God. They begin to repent. The whole city comes back to him. There's a revival in that place. Church, we're in revival right now. There's a momentum in this place because we're resolute to build communities filled with hope, to preach the good news. There's something inside of you today that people need to get a hold of. There's hope in your world. And as you share that wherever you go, you're bringing revival to the places you go to. Just yesterday, uh, Lisby gave up some time in her day. She was tired. But she just she created a margin to go out for a walk with a friend who she'd been talking to about Jesus for some time. But she hadn't quite made that decision. And by the end of the walk, she gave her life to Christ. She brought hope into her world. She put it like this. She said, there are different rooms in your, in, the, in, the, in your heart, different areas in your heart. Some of those rooms, there's, there's brokenness. Some of those, you know, in another room, there's your family. In another room, there's these dreams and desires and so on. And, and different rooms in your heart. But it comes a point where you have to open the door of that house to one who makes sense of all of that comes in and heals the broken parts brings meaning to the family part brings brings fuel to the dream part you ready to let Jesus in she said yes today she starts a brand new day with a brand new life with brand new hope
Thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him and today I want to invite you to come back to him or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.